are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. The 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, we shall begin reading. And then I want to read to you also two passages of Scripture in the book of Hebrews. And may the Lord bless the reading of His wonderful Word to our hearts this morning. John chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might be in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. I'm going to read in the book of Hebrews, but I'd like you to kind of nail down in your mind verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Without me ye can do nothing. Now then, in the book of Hebrews, if you would turn, I would love for you to see in the Word of God this morning, in chapter 9 and chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, these two passages. In chapter 9 of Hebrews, beginning of verse 16, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force, after men are dead. Otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, 
He took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wood and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all of the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. Now verse 22, nail this down in your mind also. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission or no forgiveness. Now let's look briefly in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter in the Bible, where God calls the honor roll of people who have faith in Him. And in chapter 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And in verse 6 of this chapter, I would like to call to your attention especially in verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please God. If I had a subject for the message this morning, it would be this. I would want to speak to you on three things you and I cannot do without. Three things you cannot do without. Jesus said in John 15 and 6, Without me ye can do nothing. The Word of God says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, Without shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. Then again in chapter 11 and in verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Now man has thought that there are some things he cannot do without, that I guess when you come right down to the truth about it, some of these things we could do without. I know deep in the heart of everybody there is a thought no one can do without money of his own. I don't know whether that's really true or not. If I didn't have any income today, if I did not work and apply myself, I think I could still get along. I'd go down and sign up for welfare and sign up for all the benefits. I'd probably be just about as well off as I am right now. In fact, I've given some thought maybe to doing that pretty soon. 
You, some folks think there are things in life, material, tangible things, you can't do without. You know, it's hard to do without people. You can't do without people in a sense. But in a sense, you could come a lot nearer getting along without people than you could getting along without some other things. I thank God for Christian friends. I thank God for Christian people. I thank God for brothers and sisters in the Lord. I never want to come to the place where I do not recognize the goodness and the virtues in people and people that you can lean on, pray with, and fellowship with. Thank God for Christian friends. Some folks think you can't get along without a home. I mean a house, a roof over your head. Jesus did. You read the last verse of the seventh chapter of John, and you read where the people, every man went to his own home. You read the opening statement of the Gospel of John, and it said, And Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Thirty-three years Jesus lived on this earth. He had no given address. There was no home or building he can look to and say, that's where I live. Some things people think they could not get along without, but we could if we had to. But God's holy word, the, in, the unchanging, inerrant word of God, says there are three things that a person cannot do without. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. Now, personally, I think this is speaking primarily to Christian people. In the 15th chapter of John, you find a little word. It's the word abide. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and so forth. That means fellowship. It means communion. It means staying in touch with Jesus Christ. And in this chapter, Jesus said, Without me, you can do nothing. Now, if you think of that this morning, it might be a life-changing truth to you. Without me, you can do nothing. You know, without Jesus, a Christian can't bear any fruit. When I think of the fruitless Christians in this world, when I think of the Christians who make no mark for God on other people, when I think of the Christians when they come to the end of the road and they're caught up into the presence of the Lord and stand at the judgment seat of Christ, they'll be absolutely empty-handed. They'll be like the fig tree the Lord approached that morning, seeking for fruit, and the Scripture says he found nothing but leaves. So without Jesus, you can bear no fruit. You know, if the Lord would do one thing, for me and you this morning, if he put in our heart a desire to be a fruit-bearing Christian, I mean good fruit. I don't mean evil fruit and carnal fruit and fleshly fruit, but good fruit and good influence for the Lord. Without keeping in touch with Jesus, nobody can do that. Now, I don't know how interested you are in that. I don't know whether you want to drift through life and come to the end of the way and have a Christian funeral or not, but then meet God and have no fruit. But the Bible says, without me, ye can do nothing. You can bear no fruit. You know, without Christ, 
You can get no answers to prayer. John 15 and verse 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You know, you can't get answers to prayer without being in touch with Jesus Christ. God, a few days ago, gave me a wonderful answer to prayer. I have um, meditated a little bit and thought a little bit about whether I should even mention it to you or not. A few days ago, I sat up in the office here with, with um, Mrs. Lawson and going over some needs of our church and, and with the funds that God had given. What shall we do at this time? We had a need in our work of $1,950 right then. We thought and we prayed and we talked a little bit about it and decided we'll not use these funds here, the offerings of the Lord's Day, and none of that to meet this need. I said to Mrs. Lawson, we'll pray. We'll ask God to give it to us. And the Lord is able to do it. I went up to my office and my little buzzer rang and uh, one of the other office ladies said, there's someone down in the vestibule to see you. I went down there and there stood one of the young men who sits in this audience this morning. I went up those steps praying, Lord, you know about this need. God, you're able to do it. You own the cattle up on a thousand hills. Everything belongs to thee. Thou art the possessor of heaven and earth. I went downstairs, and there stood this young man, and he blessed my heart in more ways than one. He told me how God had blessed him, and how God had warmed his heart, and how close God was to him in that moment. Then he said to me, Because God has blessed me, I want to give this to you, Pastor. Not only that, he said, I want to hug you. Now listen, I don't get any special thrill out of being hugged by men, except when it's really a spiritual matter. And uh, he put his arms around me, mine around him, and we hugged each other, and it was a warming experience because it was of God. But then he handed to me an envelope. And when I looked at it, it was a check in it for $2,300. I went back down where we had talked in the office. We will pray and ask God to give it to us. And the Lord did. Let me tell you, my friend, without Christ, you can't get answers to your prayers. I heard a great man ask one time who built one of the greatest churches in America a good many years ago. I heard someone ask him, how was this church built? I thought he'd give them uh, an answer about visitation and soul winning and personal work. But instead of that, he quoted from John 14, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He said, that's how this church was built, praying in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, without the Lord, you're not going to get any answers to your prayer. I never will forget a young lady stood back there one morning and talked to me with tears streaming down her face. Her little one, oh, little lad we just loved with all of our hearts, was yonder in the hospital and the doctor said, unless, unless something unusual takes place, a miracle happens, 
There's no hope for this little one. The little mother stood back there, and she took me by the hand, and she said, Pastor, you've known me ever since I've been in this church. She said, I grew up in this church. I stood at the altar to be married before you. And she said, you know me. She said, I've been out of fellowship with God. And she said, I have not, as it were, abided in the Lord, as this speaks. But she said, if I ever wanted in all my life to have God answer my prayers, I want God to do it now. That's what I'm talking about. You can't get answers to your prayers without Jesus Christ. Abiding in Him, fellowship with Him, communion with Him. Without me, you can do nothing. You know, you can't be happy without Him. You say, I'm a Christian, my sins are forgiven, my name's written in the Lamb's book of life, I'm on my way to heaven, I'm not going to hell, why shouldn't I be happy? It just doesn't work that way. Jesus in this chapter talks about joy, and He teaches us in this chapter, there's no joy without Jesus Christ filling your life. You know, I'm of the opinion that there are not many happy Christians in this world. Now, there are a lot of Christians getting by, and there are a lot of Christians, they're saved, their sins are forgiven. But you know, Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you. What things? Without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy, that you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Now listen, God's standard is that your life be filled with joy. Let me ask you, there is the standard, a life of joy. It isn't a life that has no tense moments, no sorrows, no disappointments, no setbacks, no heartaches, no tears, but there it is. God's standard is that my joy might remain in you. Let me ask you, there's the standard. Where are you? There's God's standard. Where are you this morning that my joy might remain in you? How's it going to happen? These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. How's it going to happen? Without me, you can't have it. Without Jesus, you can't have any joy. You know, of course, you can't be saved without Jesus Christ. No way. No, no way on earth or heaven. No way in the universe that you could, any one person could ever be saved without Jesus Christ. I am the door, Jesus said. By me, if any man enter in. Think of that when you think of religion. Think of that when you think of church membership. Think of that when you think of the ordinance of baptism. Think of that when you think of your good works. Think of that by me if any man enter in. I never will forget years ago, the Lord saved a man here one Sunday morning in this church. After service is over and he came out of the inquiry room, he came to me and he said, Preacher, he said, I want you to pray for me. He said, I took the Lord as my Savior today. And he said, no question about it, I mean business for the Lord. And you know, you can always tell. The countenance of a person can be read like an open book. 
And there was this countenance of something had been settled in his life, and he seemed to be saved. He said, I made a mess of my life. He said, in fact, my wife and I are separated today, and he said, I want my wife to be saved. And he said, I want my home to be put back together. He said, I'd like for you to go and see my wife and talk to her. I said, you tell me where I can find her. We'll certainly do that. So one day, Reverend Frank Holden, Holman and myself got in an automobile to go out to a place where this man's wife worked. He had just been saved. He wanted her saved. And he wanted to have his home put back together and founded on Jesus Christ. We went out to a place of business. It happened to be kind of, it was summertime, early summer. And it was an open place and they sold fruits and, and things like that. And uh, almost completely open in the big front of it and things sitting out. And, and we went in to that place and, and here was a young lady working. I can see her now. Uh, just as she was, she was working. She had the, the uh, apron on and the little working cloak and she was busy and, and we walked over to her and I said, I'm Mr. Malone and are you Mrs. So-and-so? She said, yes, I am. I said, Reverend Holman and myself came to see you. We want you to be saved. We want you to have Christ in your life so that your home can be put back together. She seemed to be receptive. But all of a sudden, there appeared a big man. He stood a head taller than I, and he looked at me and he said, Are you guys preachers? I said, Yes, sir, we are preachers. He said, Well, let me say something to you. This is a place of business. Now, there's a, there, he, he had something in a way. He said, this is a place of business. He said, it's not a church. He said, if you want to try to get somebody saved, he said, I own this place. He said, if you want to try to get somebody saved, he said, do it somewhere else besides in this place of business. Now listen, I believe you had something there. You know, if a fellow works in the plant, he ought to spend his time working instead of reading his Bible and praying and giving out tracts when he's supposed to be earning a living. I don't think the things of God ever conflict, personally. And I think people lose their testimony when they don't give value received for what they've been paid for. So he said, this is a place of business. We just had talked, I guess, a half a minute. We had no intention of disturbing this matter whatsoever. But he said, now I mean it. He said, this is my place, no more of this. We said, well, you know, you need the Lord too. He said, no, he said, what I need is for you preachers to get out of here and leave me alone. And so we can go on with our business. So we walked out. You know, I was reading this morning. You, you may not agree with this, but I was reading this morning. Well, the Lord said, when you go into certain cities and to certain homes and to certain people, and they do not receive you. The Lord said, Shake the dust of your feet off from that city. I think there are times when even God says, All right, you're closing the door. I can't help it. You closed it. And that man closed it that day. Less than a week came. And one day, some 
uh, some man drove by that place of business, and there was nothing but a heap of ashes and ruins. It had burned to the ground in less than a week. I could have my family testify this morning that dozens of times from all over the United States that man has called me and begged me to pray for him. And I have. I have talked to him by the hour. But he's never been saved. You know why? That day when he said to two preachers, you get out of my place of business. He said, Jesus, I don't need you. Jesus, I'm going to make a dollar. Jesus, will you get out of my way so I can make some more money? He got the preachers out of his way. His business burned to the earth. And his wandering soul has found no peace with God in spite of our prayers and our efforts. Let me tell you, you can't do without Jesus Christ. A lot of people are trying it. You cannot do without Him. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Now, Christian, remember it. He didn't say, without me, you can do a little. Without me, you can do some things. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Now, notice secondly. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. The Word of God says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. A little more lit, literal translation of that verse is, Without shedding of blood, there is neither release from sin and its guilt, nor the remission of the due and merited punishment for sins. No way for sins to be forgiven without Jesus Christ. I was in Danville, Illinois, years ago. It was a soul-winning conference, and I was speaking there at the Soul Winning Conference. Two o'clock each day for three days in Danville, Illinois. We'd set aside services all the morning. Two o'clock each day we'd meet together and go from house to house. And we were trying to train people in how to go from house to house and knock on a door and meet somebody you never saw before and make an effort to lead them to Christ. I never will forget one home that a partner and I was assigned to go with me, one home we got into. It was a home where the whole family were artists. And there were pictures set everywhere. I guess there were thousands of dollars uh, worth of art set in the living room alone. One of the artists in that family was a 16-year-old girl. The father was an artist. The whole house was just one art studio. They all painted. And it was beautiful work. My companion and I, forget who he was, went in that home and I began to work on the father and talk to the father, this artist. And he showed some interest. He, he first said, well, you know, if I knew the Bible was true, and so forth. And I began to try to show him where the Bible was true, and so forth. But the 16-year-old girl came up in back of her father. And she reached around him and she put her hands on her father's shoulder. And she said, Dad, we're not interested in Jesus Christ, are we? He said, well, no, not really. I didn't think so. She said, Dad, you know, we've talked about this. We know that Bible is full of holes and errors and contradictions and inconsistencies, don't we? 
He said, yes, we've discussed it, and I think that that's the conclusion we've come to. The 16-year-old girl with a twisted grin on her face looked at me and said, Preacher, we don't want anything to do with that Bible, and we don't want to hear anything about your blood religion, as she put it. There I stood in the home, heard a 16-year-old girl with uh, being condoned by her father say, we don't want anything to do with your bloody religion. Let me tell you something. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. You won't be saved, in the other words. Well, now, you can be like old Cain if you want to. You know, Brother Abel, he listened to God. God, God is teaching that it takes blood to satisfy, atoning, vicarious blood to satisfy the Lord. Old Abel knew that. Abel went out in his flock and he looked around and here's the, here's the firstling of the flock. It's without blemish, without spot, has no crooked leg, a torn flank, a blind eye, or imperfection that he can see. He picks it up. He takes that, that little lamb and goes yonder to the altar and he's built a fire and he takes a sacrificial knife and he puts it to its throat. The blood flows like a fountain of water. And the blood runs all over that altar and you smell the stench of burning hair and the stench of burning hot blood. And here stands old Cain out here. And Cain says, I don't want anything like that. How uh, unethical it is. How distasteful it is. I don't want any of that sort of thing. I'm going to please God another way. He goes out into his botanical gardens and he picks the flowers and the choices of the fruit of the earth and the ground. And he comes to God and he says, look how beautiful it is. This, uh, this will influence your aesthetic nature. And this is beautiful. It designates culture and refinement and, and brilliance and knowledge. But God said, I don't want it. God looked at, at Abel's offering of blood and burning hair and a stench in the nostrils of man. And God said, that's what I want. Let me tell you, my friend, if you've never trusted in the shed blood of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin... You have none. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin, no forgiveness, no redemption, no peace. For Colossians 1.20 says, having made peace through the blood of his cross. You know, I think sometimes the reason some people manifest and demonstrate no peace and tranquility in their life is because they've never been to the cross and to the fountain of blood. Now, I want to tell you something. We, we think the cross is so nice. We wear it on the lapels of our coats. We put it on a little beautiful little chain around our necks. We hang it on the walls of our home. And it's a beautiful thing to us. You just haven't seen the Bible picture of it. See a man hanging on that cross, the Son of God. See the crown of thorns that pierced his flesh and scraped against his skull. See the blood run in countless little rivers across 
his, count, his beautiful countenance. See his hands stretched and nails in the palms and his body sagging and his side open and blood flowing and hear the groans from his feverish lips when he cries, My God! Oh my God! Why hast thou forsaken me? Isn't not beautiful? Let me tell you, if you're looking for a beautiful religion, you won't find it in the Bible. For God says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Look at him. Hanging on the cross, robed in his own blood. Crowned with the crown of thorns. Filled with spittle. Cuffed and beaten by hands. His whole body open by the hurling spear. That isn't beautiful, but it's God's way to heaven. Friend, there is no other way. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. I wish I had time this morning. Our time is gone, and I don't have it, and I'll not take it. But I wish I had the time to talk to you about something else you and I cannot do without. Hebrews 11:6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. You can't, no way to please God uh, without faith. First uh, John chapter 5, verse uh, 4 says, This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. There's no justification without faith. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1. No way to please God and to be justified and saved without faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I never will forget a story that I read years ago, and I've told it many times over a period of years because it's a true story, and it's a great story. It is said that there was a prisoner in Cook County, Illinois, as you know, that's in Chicago, and he was in the Cook, Cook County jail and later was sentenced to prison, and the man got saved. Sometimes when people come to the utter end of themselves. Sometimes they turn to the Lord and are saved, like the thief on the cross. This man did. He, he was saved, and he said, uh, after he got saved, he said, I'd give anything in the world if I could get my earthly record as clean as my heavenly record. He said, I'd like to get the files where the record of all my crimes, my burglaries, my thievery. All I've done is in a file in Cook County. I'd like to, I, I wish I could get rid of it, have it removed completely. Somebody said, you can't do that. You never will be able to do that. It is said that the man tried every way in the world. He, he approached the highest officials and the governor of the state of Illinois and to the surprise of everyone, one day they handed that man his whole record, and he took it, and he carried it out, and he lit a match to it, and he burned it, and the smoke ascended to heaven and disappeared, and a few little pieces of ashes fell to the ground and disappeared with a blowing wind. And he said, Thank God, my record's clear. Do you know 
that faith in Jesus Christ gives you a clear record. That's what justification is. Therefore, being justified by faith... Now listen carefully, and I'm through. Justification doesn't take place down in your heart. Regeneration does, but not justification. Justification is something that takes place in the mind of God based on what takes place in the heart of believing man. Man believes in Christ and trusts Him and accepts His blood for forgiveness. And God in heaven says, I justify that man. You know what that means? God said, I look upon him as clean as if he'd never sinned. Hallelujah. Thank God. The record's clean. My title is clear. My home is in the glory because faith pleases God. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.